Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This message is part four in the four-part series, Are You Asking the Right Question? This week, guest speaker Sean Corbett asked the question, why? It's a simple question, but we find it so hard to answer why we do what we do and why we believe what we believe. All right. Um, very glad and excited to see all of you this morning. It's, it's um, for those who are here for the first time, or I'm not the normal pastor or speaker, Brandon is, and so uh, if you don't like what you hear, please come back, because he's better than I am. Um, but uh, I'm, we're glad you're here. We really, really are, and I hope you're blessed today. And if you would, uh, bow your heads and let's pray. Well, Father God, Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you so much uh, for loving us, that uh, we can come together in your name, that we can know you more, that... Uh, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that precious blood that, that, that connects us to you, that makes you available to us and us available to you. We thank you for that. Father God, I thank you for this word today, and I, I just pray that, that by your power that, that it just goes straight to the hearts of all that, who would hear it. We thank you, and we, we thank you for this time. This is your time. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we, for the last couple of weeks, Brandon has been doing a series asking questions. Uh, we have talked a little bit about the uh, who, the what, and the how. And I was kidding him the other day, and I said, you got all the easy questions. You got to the really tough question of why, and asked me. Uh, you know, and, and because why is a tough question. Because why, so many times, doesn't have a definitive answer. Why is different for different times? It's different for different people. As I was praying about this, I started thinking about being a small child and all the questions that small children like mine have. Daddy, why is the sky blue? Why do zebras have stripes? Why are you so hairy? Yeah, uh, one of the classic responses for most adults is, well, because we don't want, we either don't know the answer or just say, well, because. And then the response back to us, most often not, is, well, because why? And so typically one of these, convers- one of these conversations happens with my kids. Well, why? Because why? Well, why? And, and ultimately the thing is, is there was an answer to the question why. I just had failed to look for it. There was something there that there was an answer. And, and it, it, you know, I could probably, if I really wanted to sit down with my eight-year-old and tell him why the sky's blue, I could do that. It's just easier for me to say, well, because it is. But the sky is blue for a reason. And zebras have stripes for a reason. And you and I are here today for a reason. Amen? I think the thing is, is most of us as adults and really Christians sometimes, this is that question that we stop asking ourselves. Why? Because when we ask the question why, it makes us really look for the answer. It makes us look at ourselves. It makes us look at our motivations. And what we see is not always really what we want to see. But I would have you say, I would tell you this morning that the question why is a very, very powerful question. And 
through me praying about this, God put it on my heart. It's a question that I need to be asking a lot. Daily. Sometimes with me, many times a day, I need to get to why. Why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? What's my motivation in general? So with that thought of why, I'm going to let Brandon in a short video kind of give you the why of why we're here at Connection Church. It, it is a mandate from God. And I hope that this will help a little bit of that. I uh, know one of the things that we have always tried to do is not to jump into anything unless we're both in agreement on it. It was something that I knew if we got into uh, planning a church and one of us decided uh, that we weren't all the way in or we got into it and things weren't going great, it'd be too easy for the, one or the other to begin pointing the finger at uh, the other one and saying, this was all your idea, how'd you get me into this, that kind of thing. And so one of the things that we had to do first is come to agreement that this was what God was leading us to do and that this was something that uh, he had put on our heart. One of the things that Brandon and I, when we make a major decision in our life that, that we have both agreed on and is that we always have a scripture to, to back it up and we, um, we try not to do anything and go forth with situations or, or um, decisions until we have a scripture and our scripture was 1 Samuel um, chapter 10. It was actually when I was at, I had gone away for a few days just to get with God, just seeking some direction on some things. And I was actually on the front porch of a cabin in Garfield, Georgia, probably two or three miles from anywhere. Uh, and as I was there, I really felt like God began to speak to my heart out of 1 Samuel chapter, uh, the very end of chapter 9 and chapter 10. Um, and what happens there is uh, Samuel comes to anoint Saul to be the king. And when he does that, he tells Saul several things that are going to happen um, to him. And he says, once these things have happened, do all that your hand finds to do, because God is with you. And when I, when I read that, it just really jumped in my heart. And I just really began to feel the Lord speaking to me about this church and about some of the things that he wanted to accomplish through this church. And so the scripture that we're really founded on is that when God uh, commissions you to do something, he anoints you to do something, then you go and you do what your hand finds to do, what he places in your heart to do, so that because uh, you know that God's with you. I think one thing that we've learned um, through the, the ministry that we've been a part of through the years is that, you know, sometimes you may not know the full picture, the full um, outcome of the vision, and you just have to take steps. And once you take those steps, God, God will lead you, and He'll, you know, sometimes He'll change your directions, but sometimes. You know, most of the time, if you take those steps, he's going to guide you in, in the right direction. And we've always had a heart to have a church one day where people could come who were just seeking more, whether they weren't uh, currently Christians, they weren't believers at this time, or maybe they had been believers for years, and yet as they read their Bible, they just saw that there was more to it than what they were experiencing. And so we've always wanted to create a church um, or have a place where people could come and find more of God to find more of what they're looking for and to really be a place where um, the Bible comes alive. 
And really, it was because the Holy Spirit is so real and alive, and because the Holy Spirit does speak to us today, that we actually started the church. Um, what I like to call it is it was a mandated vision. It wasn't something that we ate too much pizza on a Friday night and then woke up Saturday morning and just said, hey, let's start a church. We really put a lot of prayer, and, uh, and we really realized that there were really only two options. One option was to start the church and do what God was telling us to do, and the other option was um, to just be disobedient. But we knew that God had told us to do it, and so there was really only the option of being disobedient or doing what God wanted us to do. And so when you look at it that way, um, you step into it regardless of what somebody may say or what people may think. It was kind of funny because when we first started telling people about starting the church, we were getting the questions where, you know, how do you do that? What do you do? And, you know, my response would be like, I don't know, but I know that God's told us to do it. So we just, we just, we do it. (laughs) And so, and that's, I guess, when we go back to taking the steps. We didn't know, exactly know the when, how, and, and, and why, but we just, or we knew the why, we didn't know the when and how, we just started doing it. Yeah. And one of the things that I, that I really felt impressed upon my heart was that, it wasn't up to us to prove to people right. that we had heard God, that, that the fruit of the ministry would begin to um, testify of itself and that we weren't to try to defend ourselves. So we just really felt like there was a need to do something different. And I guess to use a Craig Groeschel quote is uh, to do things differently, to reach different people. I think one of the coolest things um, looking back is to see the people who come through the doors. It's, um, you know, it's, it's people who who were just seeking God and truly seeking God. And, and um, you know, it's, if I could have listed the, the people who I thought would come, it's not those people. It's people who maybe we never even came in contact with or have never, um, never knew. Now, some we have known and, and um, you know, have, have relationships with in the past, but it's, it's been really cool to see who God's brought through those doors. And That was our real heart, was to not go after people who were already in other churches and not just to sh- swap sheep but to be able to reach out and reach new people. Just to see, as as the name of the church indicates, Connection Church, to see people being connected uh, with each other and with God, um, that's exciting to me, to see people's lives being changed, but not just as an individual, but seeing people come together um, as a body and how much more powerful we are as as a whole unit versus um, as individuals. Like I said, the question why is a tough question. And, and I would offer this to you. As I've prayed about this, this is what I believe that God has is, is given me today. There have been volumes and volumes and volumes of books written on why. The per- why man, what's my purpose, why was I created, what is this, by people who are a lot smarter and a lot more. A lot, more learned than myself. But this is what I believe God has asked me to present to you today. From, from just from a, roof, from a guy who's a roofing contractor, but a son of God. So I'll share this with you this morning. Why? Well, let's look in the very first part of the Bible, because the beginning is always a good place to start. So if you have your Bibles, let's look in, in, in Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> Starting 
start in verse 26. Brandon, I'm giving them enough time. Okay. Brandon likes to hurry people along. He doesn't understand that everybody just can't open their Bible like him. So, Starting in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves over the earth. And God said, See, I have given every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, so that you sh- uh, in it, uh, to you it shall be food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every herb for food. It was so given. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. The why. Well, as I see it, the first thing that that's said there in that scripture is let us make man according to our image. The fact of the matter is that God had been at busy creating. He had been busy creating this earth. He had created the heavens and the earth and all things in it. Everything had its special place. But then it came time to make man. This man, this creation, would be the reflection of himself. He says that we will make man in our image. And he, he being God the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus there, the Trinity was all there. said, let's make us, make him in our image. So that he could see himself in man. So that the very creation would reflect who he is. In completeness, the goodness that the glory of God, when he looked down and saw his creation, he could see it. He took his creation that was going to be his reflection, the thing that, that would mirror him. And then he gave them dominion. He, he gave the birds, the fish, he gave everything dominion. I like the word, because dominion's not a word that we use very much. I mean, Chad has dominion over his house, I'm sure. Just asked his kids. The word that that came to me there is responsibility. That God had seen his creation that was going to reflect himself and his glory. And he said, all right, I've given you responsibility over all these things. And then I know that's a big responsibility. So I want you to know, man, that as I give you the responsibility, I will equip you. I'll give you everything you need to take care of your responsibility. I'll give you that where you have no need. I'll take care of your food. I'll take care of your shelter. I'll take care of your clothing by my provision for you that you can be whole and complete and be the whole and complete image of me, God, the creator. So as I say that, the why, 
And, and this is so hard for us to see because we realize how, how flawed we are. We realize how broken we are. But we were created that we would reflect the image of God. That his goodness, the goodness of heaven, that all that he would would be, be plainly seen when we were in view. But we all know what happened. Then came the fall. The fall of man. You see, before the fall, God and, and man had, had been in the garden and they were connected together. There was no need, there was no want. Man and God were in relationship. They were connected by that. And there was, there was nothing that, no need, no disconnect whatsoever. Temptation came in. And man made a choice. And as a result of that choice, everything that he had was broken. As a result of that choice, the image that he was created in, what he was supposed to be, he no longer looked like. It was broken. You can hear that story and you can say, well, that's the garden. That was long ago. That doesn't make sense. The fact of the matter, I read this recently by a pastor named Rob Bell, where it's pertinent for us is that we all make choices that we can be connected with God or we make choices that will disconnect us from God. The fall is not something that happened. The fall is something that happens every single day by the choices that we make. You see, where we're at right now, we are created in God's image. We are supposed to be his reflection of his fullness. There is no supposed to be no separation between heaven and earth. But man's choice in what we choose causes the separation. It causes the break and it causes us to look like something that we were not created for. Broken. He said, well, what does the brokenness look like? Well, go outside right now and you'll see the brokenness. You'll see people that are hungry. You'll see AIDS and cancer and sickness. You'll see murder. You'll see want. In a simple word, you see need everywhere. The choice of man started then, and the choices of man today continue to happen that way. It, we continue by our choices to bring need here. So the question goes back to why. Why, why are we here? What are we created for? If we're created for those things, it is so that we can meet these needs. So that, that what's broken here is restored, and so that what's broken out there can be restored. Well, you say, well, my God, I'm an individual. I work for a construction company. I work for Hobby Lobby. You know, I sell insurance for a living. How am I supposed to fix the brokenness of this world? What is the point? This is way too big for me. That, that can't be what I was created for. But I would ask you, is it one of those questions that you just get, that, that maybe you know deep down inside, but you quit asking why a long time ago, and you just started following the, what the world says? Just do it. Don't ask why. Remember that, that, that famous ad, Nike ad? Don't ask why. Don't ask questions. Just do it. We've fallen into that in our culture. That is who we are today. And so the why didn't come into play anymore. 
But so the why are we here? And, and that sounds like really hard. And you say, well, oh man, if he, where's he going with this? I want to slink down in my chair. I can't sit here, but I'm here to tell you the good news. And the good news of the why is that God saw the brokenness. He saw the sickness. He saw the separation. He saw the fact that what he created was not resembling him. And he said, no. I created this to be whole. I created man to, to reflect me. And I will do what's necessary for my creation to reflect me. And so he sent his very, very best John 3, 16, the fact of the matter that God valued this world as he values everyone here and everyone out there and said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his very best, so that who would believe in him would not perish but would receive eternal life. This eternal life that I'm talking about is the life of wholeness, the life that we're meant to, to live, the life of the garden where heaven and earth are not separated, where man and God are not separated, but where we're whole and complete as we were created to be. That is God's desire. And, and by Jesus' stripes, that is why I'm here today. And I'm here to proclaim that if you think that that's hopeless, if you're wondering why, if you're wondering how, if you're doing these things... I have to, first of all, point to my Savior, the reason we're here, and that's Jesus Christ. The problem is, is when I point to Christ, that man has taken his brokenness, and he's taken his version of what Christ ought to look like, and he's distorted it. The fact of the matter is that Christ, the blameless, spotless Lamb of God who, who, who came and died so that, that we could live, that we could be restored, what we've done is we've taken our broken stamp and tried to put it on, on our perfect Jesus. And so it begins to, people out there, you and I, sometimes when I start talking about the good news and I start talking about Jesus Christ, you're going, huh? Wait a minute. Now, I know about Jesus, and, and I've been in church all my life, but there's, I'm still broke. I still deal with sin in my life. I'm still struggling. I still struggle with poverty. I still struggle with lust. I still struggle with greed. I don't feel whole and complete. I don't feel like I'm doing these things. But there's the, there again, here comes the question, but have you stopped to ask why? Because it's a fact. But no, none of us have, have, have gone back and asked why. And it's because man has taken his brokenness and tried, to, and tried to put it on the perfect picture of God in Jesus instead of letting Jesus put the perfect picture of God on us. So the question becomes, why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why not Buddha? Why not Allah? Why not Hare Krishna? Why not... Uh, Joe Smith or John Smith well the thing that I would have to tell you this is this you can come before God by yourself and matter of fact I think today most of us in church right now the reason that we don't see this is a th for me I can't speak for you but I can speak for myself the reason that I kept going to God and I kept coming back with no results with no change in my heart and no change in my being is because I was going to God myself and you can go to your creator yourself. You can, you can 
ease up to him and you can talk to him and you can pray to him and you can ask him all the questions to reveal things. But you know, every time you go to God without Jesus Christ, you go to judgment. And that was what the law was. That was before Christ. And the, because God had created the law so that man could know. So he could go before him. But every time man goes to God without Christ, he goes with, a, with guilty on his forehead. Guilty. There's no way that I can go before God to try to be made whole or well or even see that blameless. So I have to ask you, why? Is it... Can, can I work my way to God to, to a not guilty verdict? Look at the church today. We've got people who are working their tails off every day. They're giving, they're, they're seeing, they're in church five times a week. They're, they're, they're singing all the songs, they're reading all their Bible, but yet there's no change in their life. When the, you see the reflection of them, does it reflect wholeness and completeness and wellness and joy and peace and patience and kindness? No. You see the same thing in the church that you see out of the church. Why? Because a lot of times we're trying to go to God without Jesus. And so, hear the good news. We get to go before God in Christ. When the blood of Jesus Christ comes over us and He washes us clean, we go, and you know what the verdict is? It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. It doesn't matter... To, to the lowest depths of hell or the brokenness that you reflect. You know what the verdict is for you? Here's the good news. Come on, what's the verdict? Say it again. Come on. You'd be excited about that. You just got a get out of jail free pass. What's the verdict? Not guilty. In Jesus Christ, that is the verdict. Not guilty. So if there's no other reason why, it's because I can't go before God. I can't be create, recreated in the image of God because I am guilty. But God made a way that the verdict in him, in his blood says, not guilty. And by his grace, not something that I earn, not something that I could make myself happen, but because God loved me, he gives me the, the verdict, not guilty. Why Christ? Because he does what I can never do myself. John 14, 6. Said, Jesus said it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except before me. What he was telling them is you, you can do your religion, you can know your laws, you can do all your stuff, but... You have to have my blood. You have to have me. When you're coming to church, when you're reading your Bible, when you're living your life, is it in the why of Jesus? I had to ask myself that question this week. In the light of that question, which makes me feel very vulnerable... When I realize that I'm in no control with it, but it's the blood of Jesus and that it's, it's by his stripes that I'm healed, it makes me take a look at myself. And I have to come to that question again that says, why me? Okay, if I was created for, in God's image 
to, and I was given responsibility over the earth and he was gonna give me provision and, and, and I blew it by my choices, then why me? Why, why me? Because the good news continues. Because God was pleased with his creation. Remember that part? And God loves you and he's pleased with you. And he sees great value in his creation. He sees you with eyes of redemption. Even in your brokenness, even in your struggles, God sees you and me of great value and great worth. Problem is, here's the question, but do we see ourselves that way? It's kind of hard to see yourself of great value and worth all the time. But God in Christ Jesus sees you of great value and worth. Even before, not even in Christ Jesus, he sees you of enough worth to give his best. So why me? Why? So, well, let's let's look at the word. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. says, for we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus of good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I can't stress enough of how much Christ, of God values you. The fact of the matter is that I'm the only me that God created. And you are the only you that God created. There is no one in creation or on the universe that is, is perfectly and intricately made as you. Now, there are people who have similarities. There are people who look like you. But even identical twins, there's, there is a finite specialty in creation. And God values that. He's given you in your heart certain desires. He's given you that only belong to you. He's given you certain gifts that only belong to you. But why me? Because he has a purpose for that. That even in your distinct differences, that you show the wonder of him. You see, God is so big and so wonderful that one person can't reflect his glory. It takes every person here, black, white, yellow, young, old, to get the glory of God. And all the differences, the way we're made to give him that glory for that purpose and and that design. Every one of us, God has given a couple things that I think are specific. and, and, And he showed me this this week. He's given you time. He's given you talent. And he's given you treasure. So that that you could take these things that he's given you and that you could give them to the world that people would see him, that people would know him. that, That these things were built for the purpose of reflecting who he is. 
where you say, one of the common things for church folks today, especially church folks who run to church five times a week and have kids and, and run back and forth to the PTA and up to church here, work 40, 50 hours a week, uh, doing everything they do, will say, well, time, I don't have any more time. What is this thing about time and God giving me time? I want you to look at time from a different perspective tomorrow, this morning. It's not the time that we build at our end because that's not the time that God gave you. That's your time. You've taken the time that God's allotted you and you said, I'm going to fill it with this, I'm filling it with this, and I'm filling it with this. Why? I don't know, but that's what we do, right? God's given us every time. He gives us the day. He gives us this day. He gives us every day morning when we get up. He gives us a time with our kids or with our friends. He gives us the time with the people with our, that we work with, the people we go to restaurants with. What do we do with that time? Are we constantly just doing it without thought? Are we going to the next thing? Are we taking that time to be able to, to show people the reflection, to show people what we were made for? Think about your time. It's an asset, and it's something that you can give. And God needs you to give your time so that people can see the reflection of Him in you. God's given us talents. Well, why? You say, well, yeah. everybody looks at talents as these, it, it, it's something maybe like this, this awesome worship band we have or being blessed with an awesome pastor who can bring the Word of God like Brandon. But the fact of the matter is, everybody has specific talents. Everybody, whether it's, it's being someone who, who says hello every morning, who thinks about somebody else, somebody who's willing to serve in making the coffee, into doing the little things, someone who is, who is, whose talent who may be encouragement, because I can tell you right now in this world we live in, there's a lot of discouraging things. Chad, are you discouraged at the bank when you go in right now? Mr. Perry, are you, are you encouraged when you go to work? I mean, let's face it, our economy is not very encouraging. But there are people that'll take time that can bring encouragement even in the lowest that can reflect God in the brokenness of this world. And it, it, it's not those, it, so it's not the, it, it doesn't just have to manifest itself in being a speaker or being a giver uh, of, of, of certain things. Or either, it, it's in the little things. It's listening to God and noticing the need and figuring out what talent you have that you can give to meet that need. And here comes the one that I would say, he gives you a treasure so that you can show people him. And, and this is where most church folks go, he's going to talk about my money. I don't want to talk about, the, like I just said, the economy is really bad. I don't have any money, so don't let him talk about money because it's treasure. Well, I'm here to tell you this. If your treasure is your money, you're in the wrong place. Because you see, when Jesus came, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says that even though he was the very nature of God, he could have had everything. He had everything in creation under his hand as King of kings. The Bible says that he humbled himself 
in form of a servant and became obedient to death and death on a cross. Now, was his treasure in the things that he could have or he could possess? Was it in his bank account? Was it in his house? Was it in his car? No, and that's not what the treasure of the kingdom of God looks like. But the treasure has great value. It is that that treasure that we get of God, that, that, that we, as we ha- are in Christ, and we begin to know those things, the treasure that I have in Jesus Christ, the treasure that God's give me, that, that I can see myself as whole, that I can see my time as valuable, that I can see that I have talents for Him. The greatest treasure that we can ever give has nothing to do with money. It's giving Christ. It's giving the thing that we hold most, most worthy. But then the, there again, the question comes, where does your treasure lie? What's most valuable to you? We don't ask that question because it, it leads us some places we don't want to look sometimes, right? But here's the thing. God needs us to look at these things because he started his work in Jesus. He started putting this thing back together. This, this image that he created us in, he wants to see whole and well and complete in every way. And so he needs us to take the responsibility. Remember back in the garden, he said he gave them dominion over the birds and over the sea and the land. He gave them responsibility to steward over it, and he's given us that. That'll make you look different at your environment, won't it, people? That'll make it look, look different that you've done that. It'll, it, it wakes you up to a whole reality of the world around you beside yourself. And understand this, God will never ask you to give something you don't have. Matter of fact, I know this for a fact, you can't give something that you don't have. If you've not received grace, you can't give grace. If you haven't received unconditional love, You can't give it. You don't know what it looks like. If you haven't received mercy, you're not going to be able to give mercy. So I ask you this morning again, why? Why me? It's because God needs his people who have received these things to be able to give what we've received. You know, one of the famous, Brandon talked about, preached on this the other day. It was Peter and John. They were going to pray. Very religious guys, doing their responsibility. They're on their way to temple. Acts chapter 3, they're on the way. They've probably done this every day. They're going to to take care of their responsibilities of prayer. There's a a lame beggar on the side, and he, he catches their eye. I would dare to say they've probably walked this way many, many times. They probably walked right by that beggar many, many times. But God had moved in their heart, and he opened their eyes to see the condition around them, and they noticed this guy. And so they stopped. Give me something. Give me anything. Give me, give me, give me. Peter looks at him and says, Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have, what I have received, what is most valuable to me, I give up to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up. And in in that... The image of God, the brokenness in that man, God restored him to fullness. He restored him to holiness. He got up and walked. That's the kingdom of God. And that is what he's called 
us, me and you and us in this community and us in this church to do. And thank goodness we've talked about the who because it's not us alone, it's not in our power. It's it Peter was able to administer that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter tried it on his own, he couldn't do it, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, God used that power and restored that man to his rightful image. So the question that I that would propose to you, and I, I know maybe some of this is hard, because it was hard on me, to, to really sit back and ask yourself, why do I believe what I believe? Why do I go to church? I mean, have you ever really sat down and asked, what's the point? What's the deal? Do I see any change in myself? Do I see myself closer to God's image? Do I see any change? Do I see any difference in the world that I live in? That's a tough question. But it led me to this. It woke me up to the need in myself. And it woke me up to the need of the community, the place that I live in. And it asked me, brought me to the question of why here and why now? Well, the thing is, we've established the fact, is there brokenness out there? Yes. And I'm not just talking about the street. Is there brokenness in here? Yes. Because I want to tell you honestly, if y'all think I'm up here and I've got all my stuff together and I'm perfect, ask my wife, not even close. I am very hard to live with. Uh, I, I can be judgmental. I talk too much. I have, I have a bit of anger in me that I deal with. And I'm very opinionated. And it's only by her grace that she gives me every day that I'm able to, to really function. And more often than not, I don't reflect the image of God. But because she's willing to give these things to me, and he's given what he has to me, I have a chance. So why here, why now? Because we have to realize that as a church and as a world, we are broken. There is need. And Christ, and by Christ, God wants to meet the need. He wants that prayer. Remember that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's that thing we pray, but do we really want it? Do we, we want to see his will be done? Do we want to see these things here and now? I would say Yes. We do, but why? Is that a tricky question again? The thing is, is we need it. I want to look at... That's the five-minute warning, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Brandon knows I have a tendency to talk real long, and he, told, he said, in five, five minutes before it's time, please somebody hit their alarm. So, I'm with you. I understand. All right. There we go. Okay. So let, let me bring, and we're, we're, we're closing this up, but I want, I want to paint another picture here for you. And I want to go to the book of Nehemiah. 
And, and, and Brandon's been in the book of Nehemiah recently here too, but I think this is important because when you start looking at yourself, you start looking at the community that we live in, we start looking at the church as a whole, and I'm not here to, to, to beat people up or anything like that, but you have to look, you have to start being aware of the condition of things. Nehemiah is, he's in Babylon, he's in captivity. He didn't need or th- any, anything or want anything. He's, he's the, you know, the cupbearer for the king. God puts it on his heart to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. There was a need that God brought to Nehemiah's attention. Nehemiah was faithful. He did what he had to do. He, he had the favor of God that where he could protect, uh, uh, procure what he needed to have. And he goes to Jerusalem. And the first thing he did, now God had told him to go and do this, but the first thing he did when he did there, he didn't go and announce his arrival. He didn't go in there to the Jewish leaders and say, I'm here. The first thing he did is he took a, a ride around Jerusalem so that he could see for himself how things looked. And he had to look at it with really open, honest eyes because, see, God had sent him to do this, but Nehemiah was a smart man. He wanted to size up exactly what God had asked him to do. And so Nehemiah rode around Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem had been the place where the temple was built. It was the centerpiece of Judaism. These were God's people, right? If there was anybody who was supposed to be close to God and reflect God, wasn't it supposed to be the Jews? And this was their temple. This was the place, the Holy of Holies, where, where everything happened. This is what, but it, it was in ruins, it had been sacked. It was destroyed. The walls were torn down. The temple was not built. But you know, nobody tells you this, or we don't read this into it, but you, it was in ruins. But did you know that the priests were still operating every day? Do you know the good Jewish people were still observing the Torah? They were still doing their religious duty. They were doing what they thought they should do, but their purpose, their function, the, 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 the thing that was supposed to represent God's greatness in them was in ruins. And they had grown to just accept it. Well, we're in captivity. We're in bondage. It's just the way it is. We'll just be good. Eventually, God's going to send the Messiah. And when he does, all this will be corrected. We'll just sit here and wait. Can you see the church today in that? As we look at our plight? Can you see the church in that, that we've just gone so accustomed to it being bad that we don't even ask why anymore? We just say, well, it's just this way. The rapture's coming. He'll take, if I'm a good Christian, he'll take me up. And, you know, I don't know about those people over there. I'll just, it'll be okay. But Nehemiah saw this, this, this mandate that God had given him to go look. And the first thing he did is he went and he, he looked at it. And he saw how big it was. And he saw how bad it was. But then he knew at that point there was a decision. Now, God had told me to do this. So either I can be obedient and do what he said, or I can be disobedient and go my own way. I can be connected to God and his will, or I can choose my will in my own way. Sounds very familiar to the garden, doesn't it? 
It's very familiar for, for you and I today. As we recognize the things around us, is it going to be his way or my way? Will I be obedient or will I be disobedient? Nehemiah saw everything and then he gathered everybody and he said this. He said to them, you see the distress we are in. He didn't say you. He said we. We're all part of this. I'm no better. Brandon's no better. We're all part of this. That we are in in Jerusalem or in Statesboro. That we lie in waste. The gates burn down with fire. Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer be of a reproach. If we're created in God's image, that where people can see the living God, that they can experience the kingdom of heaven, then we've got to recognize what we're not, first of all, and ask why. And then be willing to make that decision. Will I say yes to the mandate or will I say no? Because here's the deal, guys. Statesboro, Bullock County right now. I'm not a big stat guy, but I do want to tell you this. There's 67,000 people in Statesboro, Bullock County right now. They're going to, they're going to enlarge enrollment 7,000 kids in the next 10 years. That'll bring probably another 15,000 people on top of that. So we're looking at probably 100,000 people here in the next 10 years. Right now, there are 117 churches in Bullock County. 117. Of 67,000 people, 20,000 people say that they attend church. You got 20,000, but that, that averages out to 100 people per church. And I ask you, when you look at Statesboro Bullet County today, where is God's fingerprint? Do you see people getting healed? Do you see people helping each other? Do you see people loving each other? Or do you see people continue to try to say, well, my way is better than your way. My church is better than your church. Here and now is because of the why that God needs us to see what it is and he needs to unite us now to do his will and purpose. But it all starts with the question, why? Why? Because here's the deal. If we don't, somebody else might or they might not. But the choice for us individually and as a group is whether we will or whether we won't. So I would present that to you today. Why? That's, for, that's what God told me in my heart. As I've walked this vision with Brandon, that's the why that I've seen. That's the why that God told me. Your why may be different. But that is why we're here. I think that if, if every one of us really sits down and asks why a little bit, the truth will set there to you. The fact of the matter is this. We were all created for a purpose. The fact of the matter is that you, God's desire for you and me, all of us, is to reflect Him. To reflect His glory. 
Every one of us in Christ Jesus can do that. We go not guilty, remember? We go not guilty. We might have been asleep. We might have not, we may have been so inwardly looking that we forgot to look outward. But God, our God is a God, a redeemer. And so he just wants us to look up. He wants us to receive this today, not in judgment, because judgment's been had. He wants us to receive this today for wholeness and wellness. He wants us to see it that, that his desire is the perfect image that he created is how he wants you to live. The things that you struggle with in your life. God wants to minister to them today. The doubt that you have in your life. God wants to minister to them the need that you have, God wants to minister to them today. That's his desire. And that's what this word is about. That's his why. Because he values you greatly and loves you much and wants to see you whole and well and complete. I know this has been a tough word. It was tough on me. But it is the good news. And I promise you this. If you'll look into the perfect word, which is Jesus Christ, the Bible says this, that freedom is found there, that lib the perfect word of liberty, you'll find that there. So I encourage you today, Sometimes it takes a tough question. Ask the tough question. But if you're looking Jesus through, Jesus is the answer. There's always hope on the other side. Amen? Come on, one more time. Amen? Amen. All right. Jesus loves you and I love you.